that's just who I am. I think it's where I've, I've grown up and how I've grown up. And I think it's just me, you know, trying to, to play soccer. And, you know, I do it for fun and I do it for the enjoyment and what it brings to, to my mental health and everything. So I think that's something that, that just keeps me stable. And I think that's what, what is uh, keeping me humble and keeping me, you know, I just want to get out there and play. So I think that's what it is. I don't think that's something that, that we worry about in the locker room and, and or, or in the you know the coaching staff. I think it's just us doing our thing on a daily basis and, and keeping that same mindset where we go into each game as the underdogs and keeping that mentality. So I don't think we pay attention really much to the to the stuff and, and we, we keep that in our DNA and then when we get the ball we, we let our quality show and um you know it's working right now and we're gonna continue to do that. Diego, can you take us through both goals and tell us what you <laughs> saw as the plays developed? Yeah, I think the first goal was a, a quick goal, right? So I think the ball went out to Sava, and I know he loves whipping the ball in like that. And, and everybody ran first post, and I was able to beat my defender you know, to the ball and, and sneak in there and, and make good contact and put that in the bottom corner, so it was good. And then the second goal was just following up Danny's, you know, pl- Danny's play, and the ball popped up, they got it, and then I saw Danny there with a the 1-2. And then I just uh, I had a lot of time in my head to, to finish, so I just picked out a spot and just slipped it in. You look different since you came back from the U-20s. Do you feel different out there on the field? And if so, how and why? I think it has to do a lot with the, the mental side of the game. I think it was a lot of you know, confidence and a lot of stuff going through my head that, that was clogging me up and stuff. But I think coming back, I, I felt more free and more, and more enjoyable while playing. And I think that was something that, that is what... Um, what shows myself is when I'm free and I'm having fun playing and it shows who I really am. So I think that was something when I came back, I, I felt free and, and open to the game and to, to relaxed and able to play. What was going through your head and clogging you up? I think there was a lot of things. You know, I, I was away every month for 10 days with the national team. There could have been personal stuff. It, it's a whole bunch of things. It could have been uh, playing time. There's all these things, uh, me being young, away from family, a whole bunch of things that, that, that you know, clog up a, a young kid's brain and I like to think that I'm mature but it always gets to people and, and I think that's something that, that everybody will face in their life but um, it was my time at that moment and I think I'm, I'm glad to overcome it and stay strong but yeah it was just a, a lot of things. How much is Chicho's presence opening space on the field for everybody else? I think it, it shows a lot right you ha- when you have a nine that has a, a big name and, and knows what they what he can do it, it distracts defenders, which opens up space for, for Sava and me on the wing in, in a game like this I'm, I'm talking about. So it shows that, and then it shows if you know teams try to, to clog one side, we, we can find the other side. Teams, teams try to clog both sides, we can find down the middle. So I think it just gives us a lot of options around the field, and, it, and it, it's good to play with them combined. And just having a, a Chicho up there is a great guy, so it's also good to have him in the locker room. Yeah, I, I feel good. I feel good. I'm, I'm happy, and I'm, I'm glad to be out there on the field and contribute to the team. I think, um, yeah, I, I still feel, I think, more comfortable <clears throat> playing as a 10, and that's my, my natural position. But that's where you have to adapt, and that's where you have to grow as a player. And I've been asked to play on the left wing, and, and I'm starting to enjoy every game more and learn about the position. And also, when I'm asked to play back into the 10, it also gives me a, a bigger idea of, of you know the, the the spots of wingers and where they're supposed to be, and so it, it, it's helping me grow as a as a player in general. So I'm happy about it, and I'm happy to play left wing. It gives me some times to get isolated and, and do things on the on the wing, and that I can't do as a ten. So it's it's good. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of the RSL Show on KSL Sports Network. 
You just heard from Diego Luna, post-match commentary, post-match interview after the 3-1 win versus the New York Red Bulls in which he had a brace. Uh, Guys, what did you guys think of Diego Luna's comments about kind of stepping into like a, a maturity role? And, uh, you know, scoring his brace and just basically getting to work for Real Salt Lake. I think so. I think last year when we first signed him or when he first came over um, and you, you and Tom Hackett had a camera in front of him, he already showed kind of that maturity. Um, he already kind of knew how to speak in front of a camera and, and have um, have good conversations and have good topics when when coming up to to interviews. And I think that just goes to show like how kind of the maturity that Diego already has um, great answers to the questions. Um, we got Diego's a Diego's a good kid, man. I like him. Yeah, I like the part where he basically says that for as young as he is, when he thinks he's mature, he's kind of hit that realization that he's not. Like he's not going to fully understand it. And I think to have that kind of self awareness at such a young age is is really cool. It kind of tells you that he's either got uh, someone from his family in his head, or he's got mentors in the team, maybe the coaching staff. Uh, Josh, what do you think, man? This guy, obviously, is still a teenager, 19, giving responses like that to the press. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't give a response like that to the press when I was 19, right? So it's it's pretty impressive for, for how young he is. And then just to hear how much he's grown you know, from Pablo since the U20 World Cup. It, it sounds like it's not only on the field, but off the field as well. So, you know, I, I think this might truly be the beginning of Diego Luna and his rising star. Yeah, Ian Paul Joy uh, even had a little bit to tune in, uh, replying to the RSL show's uh, post today. Ian Paul Joy say, uh, saying terrific answers, especially about the mental side of the game uh, class. And, yeah, it's absolutely true. It's crazy how it only really takes about, you know, a few goals and some assists to really just kind of step into that limelight. And, Alex, you brought up something really good in our initial interview with him a year ago. Uh, Tom asked him, when would you be ready to play for the first team? And Diego Luna says, oh, I just need about two weeks, right? And uh, very confident answer, but it took so long for us to see him get the start, get the minutes that we thought he was ready for. And so what do you think maybe attributed to that? And we got to put Pablo on the spot. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, it was was an erroneous mistake. Should have been done sooner. But if we're going to be contrarian to that, why do we think Diego Luna didn't get that? first start until the time that he did. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it probably had a little bit to do of what Pablo is asking of him compared to the, the role he's kind of used to, right? El Paso. And he has said it multiple times and times again, his, his natural where he feels the most comfortable is at the 10, all right? We're sitting right under that striker, um, creating, having that playmaker role, um, at the number 10 spot, but it, he's really had to adapt and learn how to play that left wing where he's playing now. 
um, but play it the way played in a way where he's creating on the wing as well as cutting inside and have, making opportunities for ourselves. Um, and he, he even said it himself in his interview, right? He's t- he's taking the initiative and he's really learning this new position and he's learning a lot as far as creating and playmaking goes by by moving over to the left. And I think that I think that possibly had a lot to do with it is just learning that left wing position, um, the way he wants to play, the way Pablo wants to play it. Well, and, and Pablo said himself, right, if you harken back to the, the tackle he made inside of the, the box against SKC, that was a defining moment for Luna's transformation into a winger, right? Not only is he doing you know his attacking responsibilities, but he got back, he defended, and he made a crucial tackle. And I believe Pablo said that's when he became a member of the team, right? When you're going to put it on the line on both sides of the ball, that's the style we play. And that's when I think he really solidified his position and and spot in, on the team and in the 11. Yeah. So we're loving it, man. I'm loving it. Um, hot on Diego Luna. Uh, hot on the squad as a whole. And uh, we'll talk about his goals here in just a moment. Um, scoring a brace. Uh, just breaking some records uh, all over MLS. But uh, while we're on the topic of MLS and before we hop into everything Real Salt Lake, for those of you that got to tune in and watch Lionel Messi's presentation on Sunday, uh, what did you guys think? Did anybody catch that? Was anybody able to get a glimpse of that from this show? Yeah, I was watching the whole, I was watching the whole thing as it was happening. Give us your unfiltered uh, <laughs> thoughts on the on the broadcast. Um, the broadcast was a little bit weird at times because I was watching. So I was watching it in the English, and they were doing like the translation over Messi talking. Um, they were like translating what he was saying, and the both of them were talking at the same time. And I didn't really understand what either of them were saying. Um, so in that nature, I mean, it could have been better, but it, regardless, like it, it was a nice presentation. Um, it was it was nice just to see. Uh, MLS all over this Lionel Messi announcement. Yeah, so for the people who were following it who had tuned in, um, it got, I wouldn't say rained out because it happened, but it was significantly delayed. And so I think that kind of just took away from the overall general excitement. If you've been at Rio Tinto and there's like a lightning weather delay, we all know what it's like to sit around for 30, 45 minutes pouring rain. And that's essentially what it was like uh, leading up to the unveiling of Messi. Uh, you're right, there were broadcast issues. Um, I was working that, and it made my job difficult because uh, I was covering the Spanish side, but somehow the broadcast between the English and the Spanish were crossing over. So any highlights or any clippings that I wanted to do had both audios on there. And I can tell you that internally, they were trying to fix it. They didn't know what was happening. It wasn't... It wasn't the best scenario or best thing to happen during uh, a preview like this because what I would say is probably MLS's biggest event, and the numbers are going to prove it, 3.5 billion people tuned in to watch this. Lionel Messi's official presentation at Enter Miami was watched by 3.5 billion fans worldwide, beating the previous record of 3 billion when Cristiano's Ronaldo's was unveiled at Al Nasir. Well, was it, was it free over... MLS season pass or was yeah. it behind yeah. the paywall? No, it was okay. free. Maybe. Maybe then. Maybe if it was free, maybe. Well, how many right. Apple users do we think there are in the world? I don't know. I still don't believe it. 
That's such a big number, man. That yeah, I I don't know. Uh, if anybody wants to debate us, I mean, go look. We're pulling it up. There's so many news sources, but it's the number is 3.5 billion. Anyway, that's it's just pissing me off because I I, I don't know if it's whatever. Let's move on. Big event, whatever. Inter Miami had their moment. Uh, they announced Busquets, uh, Messi, and also the president of Inter Miami, either during the broadcast or somewhere in the stadium, leaked that Jordi Alba would also be uh, joining uh, Inter Miami. So it's just a Barcelona reunion of all sorts, the old Barcelona World Tour. And I just want your guys' thoughts on this. Are you guys um, really actually excited for this? Josh, go ahead. Dude, I'm just pissed over the 3.5 billion thing. Because yeah, we, we, yeah. we literally... It doesn't make sense. We just wasted 20 minutes trying to figure that out, and it still doesn't make sense. Anyway, uh, no, actually, I'm not excited for the Barcelona reunion. Like, I'm pumped on Messi, but it, it, it reminds me a lot of the retirement thing, retirement league thing, right? I think we're better than that. And then on top of that, I am suddenly wondering where roster rules went because, okay, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. No matter how they spin it, it's wrong, and and they're breaking rules or getting some kind of special treatment. Um, But, yeah, pump for Messi, not really pump for everyone else. And I think think it's going to be interesting to see how they do in the MLS because I – I think a lot of people think they're going to come get easy street treatment, and I think it's going to be a lot tougher for them. I really do. Uh, well, and to go along with what Josh, Josh said, um, I agree that um, the roster rules are kind of weird in this one because it wasn't too long ago where Miami was being sanctioned for breaking the DP rule, for breaking uh, TAM rules, um, and they were fined for it heavily. Um, and now all of a sudden, Lionel Messi... Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets are all on their way to to enter Miami, so it's a little weird. It's a little bit weird that like they they were just fined for all for for all this, and now you have players kind of coming in and making who were probably going to be making a lot, and you're looking at something along the same lines, and it's like, wait, weren't they just in trouble for that? Right, um, and and could any other team have done that? Right, or is this exactly. a, the league going okay, guys? Since all of these lined up perfectly for you. We'll let you do it this time for eyeballs. As well, far maybe, as like, go ahead, Alec. As far as like the sporting side of it and like the soccer side of it goes, uh, these are still three very good players who've been, who were phenomenal last year for Barcelona and PSG, right? Messi's just fresh off a of world cup. Uh, Jordi Alba and Busquets were still starters for Barcelona this last season. They're it's, it's far from players coming into retirement, right? They're still playing a really high level of soccer, um, and as far as like the soccer side of it goes, I'm very excited to see what they can do here. Yeah. I mean, they're still playing a high level, but they're still in their mid thirties and yeah. coming into MLS in your mid thirties, it's going to be difficult for them still. And I, and I don't think it's like guaranteeing a Miami, a title like people think it is. I really don't No, Far from that. Far from that. I think Miami still has a, a couple of things they need to fix before they can consider um, going for before they can be considered a uh, title contenders, but regardless, like if they can ma- if they can make the playoffs this year, um, they'll have a shot at it. I think because of just just the way MLS is. Sure, but even I mean at this point for Miami playoffs are even a long shot. So to debate that a little bit, 
Messi just won the World Cup, won tournament player, uh, the tournament player or whatever award, player of the tournament. Um, so people would say that he's in his prime. Uh, dude just won the world championship and awarded the best player of the entire World Cup tournament. And he's fresh off that. That's not like it happened five years ago. So I think, uh, you know, we know we're not getting messy in form for MLS. Uh, We know it's at the tail end. Uh, We know that Argentina is obviously a great team. So let's just answer this question is, is Messi really only good with his national team and Barcelona because of the system? Or are we going to see something that's a little bit closer to PSG uh, here at MLS with Inter-Miami where, sure, you've got a few of your old buddies maybe coming to help out, but overall, the rest of the roster is garbage. Do we think it's going to be tough for Messi? Uh, well, I think P- PSG is a weird conundrum because they're stacked, like overly stacked if that makes sense right there's definitely too many cooks in the kitchen so i think you know with messi not having too many cooks in the kitchen with miami that's going to be a, a good thing for him but where's the quality for messi with you know messi putting in some service where's the the quality of messi for some of his give and goes right is this going to be just messi trying to do everything on his own or is he going to be able to mesh with players that you know, realistically aren't at his level or at the level he's played with at PSG or at the level he played with at Barcelona or with his national team. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Messi does with guys not at tier one, right, all around him. Do you think, think – do you think – sorry, on that, on that real quick. Do you think Messi, though, is just going to make a, a mockery of the defense here – at Major League Soccer, or do you think he's going to struggle? Uh, let's t- let's take out the uh, supporting pieces out of it. Let's talk about his drub- his dribbling and his talent. Do you think he's going to make a mockery of a lot of defenders and just get around and score I mean, lots of goals? I mean, of course, he, he's made a mockery out of a defender in any league. I, I still think there's quality in the midfield and in defense in MLS that's going to give him trouble. He's going to get tackled harder than maybe he's been tackled before as well. He's also going to have to deal with artificial turf. Uh, so that's going to eliminate some games for him because if I'm Atlanta, why am I putting a grass field on top of my turf field just so Messi can come torment me, right? There's going to be a lot of question marks for him. And yeah, he's going to make some people look stupid, but I mean, Justin Glad can handle him. I have no doubt. But what's he going to do when Brian Vera comes flying at him from 20 yards? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be different because it's it's still in in let's say you know when he's playing for Barcelona the defenders in La Liga you know they're tier 1 tier 2 guys he's coming here he's getting tier 3 tier 4 right so it's kind of like when you go play um indoor and you're playing against a bunch of people who have never played before and they're just coming in reckless right it's scary it's going to be kind of like that for him. He's going to get a lot of weird, you know, guys coming in from angles he hasn't really experienced or guys just tackling him hard at midfield because they can. You know, the the respect's going to be there for him, but those guys aren't going to want to get embarrassed by him, and they're going to make it difficult for him. 
it's a beautiful assessment. Uh, Wayne Rooney uh, taking the the social medias or at least an interview and saying that it's not going to be easy for Messi. Um, <clears throat> I think you do have a point, Josh. We're going to see a lot of just recklessness and uh, the same dudes, though, who are just tackling him and just making him miserable and uh, not playing good soccer. You know, they're going to be the first ones to run over to midfield and try to get his kit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alex, what are your thoughts, dude, on Messi versus MLS? You know, it's funny because that's what this is kind of turning into, isn't it? It's like the MLS Messi uh, States Tour, I feel like, is what's going to happen. They even released a schedule of when Messi's coming to your town. And looks like there's tickets selling for $56,000 wow. in Miami. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. So give us your thoughts, Alex. Is this overall... Is Messi going to be good in this league? And then also, do you think this is a good move for MLS? Big move for MLS. Um, probably big. I, I'd go as far as to say is it might be even bigger than David Beckham when it's all said and done. Um, it's going to put eye, eyes on this league that eyes for eyes that they didn't have before. It's going to attract a lot of fans. Um, it's going to attract a lot of a lot of money. It's going to attract a lot of a lot of good things to this league. Just having um, arguably the greatest player of all time in the league. Uh, I think he'll do good. I think he'll. I think he'll. He'll do well. Um, he's. He's like I said. He's. He's just fresh off the World Cup win. Um, he. He has the technical ability. He has the mind uh, to create and be a really, really like, arguably the best player to ever play in this league too. Um, and it's, you know, they're not done, right? Inter Miami's still gonna still gonna create a roster. Tata Martino's looking at to bring in over more young talent from South America to put around him. Um, so it, it'll be really interesting to kind of see where Inter Miami's roster is at the end of uh, the window and to see if it's going to be competitive enough and be good enough. Do you think, I, I feel like a lot of people's expectations are, are so high though, that they're thinking, you know, Messi is going to be good for three goals, three assists a game. And obviously no, that's, that. that's asinine, right? Absolutely not. Not that. Um, look, it's still... I think people don't give MLS enough credit for how much it's really grown over the last course of the last couple of years, um, especially the international eyes. Right? I don't. I don't think if you're not in America paying attention to this league day in day out, I don't think you really realize how much this league has grown and how much the talent and the quality has grown over the last course of the last couple of years. Um, it's not going to be three goals, three assists every game for Lionel, but he's still gonna he's still gonna have a, a high production for for Inter Miami. Sure, I'd agree. Yeah. So it looks like he's going to be debuting in League's Cup is kind of what's uh, being pushed out. Don't know when the actual first regular season match, uh, when he'll be debuting for that. Doesn't look like that information is out. But another thing that's also fun for all you Real Salt Lakers and people who live in Salt Lake City is if there's any interest in him to play in the U.S. Open Cup, uh, remember that's still a possibility to actually be played. No? Alex? Don't say it. What? Just, just not jinx it. Let's not we bring it We still got to get past Houston, man. Well, I'm going to say it anyway. Oh. Uh, Alex was shaking his head. Real Salt Lake, if they move on from the semifinal, beating Houston will be in the final hosting. Uh, maybe enter Miami if they beat out FC Cincinnati. You know what? I'm not going to jinx it. I have a feeling. Uh, I've got a feeling like this is going to happen. I, I feel like that's going to be played at America first field. And uh, I don't generally jinx things. If Josh was saying it, I'd be more afraid. All right. So 
messy. Um, cool. It's, it is what it is. Also, uh, remember a few episodes ago, we were saying that MLS stadiums would not be able to handle the, uh, troves of people trying to get in. And we got a glimpse of that yesterday. People literally just kind of charging through security, getting through the gates. Uh, some tickets weren't even scanned. And, uh, so, so yeah, it just, there, there's, it's going to raise this whole security issue awareness. And it sounds like it might even just kind of make it more difficult for regular fans who are just trying to get into their stadium. If Messi happens to come play versus your team. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, if we see Messi in Salt Lake, if big, if knocking on wood, that match is going to be obnoxious for the diehard cat RSL fan, right? You're going to have, unless you're a season ticket holder and can, can snag your ticket or whatever, that stadium is going to be full of just people that don't care about either team that are just there to see Messi, which is fine. But like, you know, in a big game, like a potential MLS cup or not MLS cup, a potential open cup final, that sucks, right? You're not getting the passion or whatever. You're just getting a bunch of people wanting to see Messi. And it's just going to be like a carnival tour wherever he goes. The atmosphere is going to be weird. I don't know. It, it's cool, and I'm glad he's here, but it's going to be a shit show in a lot of places. Yeah. I saw some people tweeting, you know, oh, my God, people are chasing Messi's car when he's exiting the stadium. I'm like, that's just like that. That's just weird, like what, man. That's just what happens. That's what happens in mm. like Europe and yeah. other places. You know, that's just normal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool spectacle, but, um, I think it's going to test the league in, in terms of, um, everything, just how you handle everything, security fans, the the press, right? Like, are you really going to let fan blogs around Messi? You know what I mean? So, uh, we'll see what happens, especially because, you know, the traditional media, when Messi comes, everyone's going to be there. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Suddenly, it's going to be cool to cover soccer when you've been ignoring it for however long. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Um, all right. So let's get back on track with Real Salt Lake, the Lakers of Real, the salt. <laughs> the great salt Lakers. The the Salt Lake, Reals, Reals, whatever, Real Salt Lake. Guys, uh, 3-1. We called this one, too. We said it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, we sent Isaac with the video camera sideline because we said, hey, there's going to be a lot of good goals in this. And we didn't... I don't think we anticipated a brace from Diego Luna. And I'll eat mm-hmm. my words. I said, uh, oh, did somebody say brace? You? Josh? Yeah, I also said there would be four more goals, right? I said 6-1, six, six I think. But <laughs> I did say Diego Luna would get a brace, I believe. Wow. Run it back. Check the tapes. I, I believe, believe I did. I don't, I don't think you it. said brace, man. No, <laughs> I think I you did think actually. So. I, think, I think I did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I said something <laughs> along the lines of that I wanted Diego to get some, but I didn't feel like he was going to get any. Uh, but yeah, I want to talk to Isaac real quick because we sent Isaac out with his trusty camera. He got some cool highlights uh, with the partnership that we have with KSL Sports. It's dope because. I just hit them up and I say, hey, do you guys want highlights? They eat them up every single time. So, Isaac, how was the atmosphere sideline? How fun was that to uh, capture those goals, those moments? 
Yeah, it was really fun. The only thing is it was really hot, um, especially being in the sun. Um, and then just trying to adjust your camera to get like the shot right, basically. Um, it was really fun. Severino uh, had a he like had a shot and it like def- like went away and it hit the board and it ended up hitting me in the knee and I was like, whoa, like that actually hurt and it didn't even hit me. <laughs> so a good it, time. Yeah, it was a good time, especially getting those goals too, like Diego Luna's goal and then Severino's goal, which I think I shot probably the best one of the night, just following and tracking the ball. So it was a really fun experience. And then having it on the news is even cooler. Having a lot of people reach out to me just saying like, whoa, that's so cool that you got on local news. And I'm like, yeah, I really appreciate it, (laughs) you know? So thank you guys. Good, man. That's cool. Yeah, it's a good feeling. I, well, people don't know that you've been shooting for KSL Sports for a while. You were shooting like uh, a, a lot of their f- like football games, sending the highlights. Uh, you were cutting the highlights, sending them back uh, for that nightly news. But I don't think you ever got to watch it because the, the shows typically start pretty late and then you'd be driving home. But this was the first time that uh, we kind of full circled it for Isaac. And we're like, hey, dude, here's your highlights. Sam, Farn- Far- Sam Farnsworth is talking about it on KSL. Uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty cool, but it was hot. I told you to take lots, lots of water, dude. Did you take water? Yeah, yeah, I had to. It was it was so hot. Are you are you glad you wore shorts? Yeah, yeah. I was going to go in jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. So, really, really, really cool environment, atmosphere. Now, from the pe- press box, if we switch it up a little and we talk to Alex Napolis. Um, Alex, what was your... What was your feeling going into this game? What was the crowd like? What was the overall atmosphere? Um, and did you think, I know we talked about predictions, but just getting there, uh, did you feel like this was in the bag for RSL? Yeah, I think walking into the stadium, um, our favorite DJ, Eurocalypse, was playing Tame Impala. And so I was walking down the hall, like grooving out to Tame Impala. And so I knew right then and there we are going to win. Um, I, <laughs> I get to my seat and I get to my seat, you know, game starts. And I didn't, I didn't expect two, a goal two minutes into the game. Um, and so just seeing the stadium kind of erupt so early in the match, um, it was refreshing and it's something, you know, you don't see often, but it was, it's, it's always a good thing to, to have the stadium with that much energy and that much eruption, uh, so early in the game. Very cool. So let's take it a step back. Um, before we get into Diego's first goal, uh, the starting lineup, uh, we, we know that, you know, some players were rested off the bench, uh, kind of going into this one, uh, or at least, they were rested uh, the previous match, getting ready and preparing for this match. Uh, RSL releases their roster. What were the initial thoughts? Uh, Josh, did you think RSL was just out to, to win this one with the roster uh, put out? I mean, it was just a nice little rotation roster. It was kind of par for the course. I, you know, I don't think there was a a real signal with it, right? It wasn't an obvious, Hey, we're resting and hoping to get a result. And it wasn't an obvious, Hey, we're going through the, for the throat here. I think it was just a nice, solid rotated RSL roster that was put up by Pablo. And, uh, you know, it gave me nothing but confidence. It's hard to really put out a roster right now. That isn't confidence inducing. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's take a look at the roster, um, up front. Got Musovski and Chicho. I love this, dude. We're LAFC 2 right now. It's great. Uh, and we're seeing the goals, right? We're seeing the link-up play, uh, which is dope. I actually texted my friend Brock, who is a huge LAFC fan. I 
I uh, text messaged him, thank you. Um, so Musovsky and Chicho up on uh, up on the front. You got Luna and Savarino on the wings, which I think, man, it looks it, it just looks good on the roster. Having Luna and Savarino just looks looks threatening. In the mid, uh, you've got Pablo Ruiz and Ojeda, solid. Um, on the de- on the defense, you've got Brody, Vera, Glad, and Hidalgo, and then you've got McMath uh, playing keep. And uh, I think we're well. We'll get into McMath because there were some feelings from you, Josh, where you text messaged the group. You felt like there was a goal on coming, and you happened to be right. Uh, so we'll talk about like the Beavers and McMath relationship a little bit, uh, but starting off this game, um, yeah, we we see a strong lineup up against a, a New York Red Bulls that we're not feeling too threatened by. Um, so what did we like to what, what did we like out of this match, and and what are a few things that we didn't like about this match, either leading up to the goals or after the goals? Um, someone asked us on Twitter. Like, what are we loving out of the squad, and where what are some areas to improve? So let's start with that. Um, I'll start with areas to improve, kind of leading with your McMath thing. Um, for a guy that isn't known to be a great player with his feet, we're putting him in a lot of really uncomfortable positions, right? So far, we've escaped it without a real issue, but, you know, it... It won't be long until there's a gaff back there, whether it be a misplaced ball, you know, from a defender to Zach or Zach to, you know, someone else that leads to a goal um, or, or some kind of foul from the ball being played back. So I think, you know, that's something the team needs to work on. And I know it's part of the press and building out of the back, but, you know, we really got to be careful with, with the position we're putting Zach in with the ball at his feet. Um, give credit to, to New York, too, for watching the tapes and seeing how much we do rely on Zach McMath's feet because they came in, uh, even while they were trailing, they came in and they pressed our back line really, really well. They pl- they pressed McMath really well. And if it did feel like for a second there that RSL was going to make a mistake in the back um, due to that press, uh, there was a couple close moments, but overall just playing through the pressure really well and, and um, relieving that press and making sh- uh, building their own attack from it. Um, all credit to to New York for the for doing the press and credit to RSL for for playing really well out of it. Yeah, it's it's nice to see you know when a team figures you out, so to speak, and you just continue doing what you know best, right? And you just play through them figuring it out, and you wear their wear them down by just being better at it. That that's a sign of a good team, and and we've seen that against SKC and now New York Red Bull. That's a sign of a championship winning team, bro. Let's not get too crazy, Alex. <laughs> on some wood. Yeah, if you guys want to talk about jinxing, dude, it's you guys, man. I I feel like a lot of a lot of the fans. Uh, every every time I see it, I can't help but cringe. And it's not because I don't want Real Salt Lake to not win a championship, but when I see people just throwing that out there, like, yes, we feel it too, but That's don't say it out loud. Those breaks, yeah. Oh man, it's it's yeah, well. I mean, so I I watched the game from home. I had a long day at work and a sick dog. I just didn't really feel like going to the stadium. Um, and right before New York scored the goal, we got hit with a commentator curse. Right, 
And it was like perfect timing. They were talking about how New York's pushing and, you know, they're just waiting for RSL to slip up a little bit and no joke, five seconds later, they scored a goal. So, you know, you, you really can speak these things into existence in a negative way. Uh, and then I'm sure you can speak them into existence in a positive way, but I don't think that's for us to decide. I yeah. think we let the, the soccer gods handle that one. Yeah. So let's uh let, now let's bring it back. Let's talk about the goals. Uh, we'll talk about Diego Luna's first. Now this uh, goal comes from a turnover that lands at the feet of Justin Glad. He plays it through the middle uh, up to Pablo Ruiz. Pablo takes about two to three touches, uh, lays it off to uh, Chicho, who gets a quick pass over to Savarino, who then sets up the assist. And finds uh, Diego Luna, who is in the box right in front of the keeper, defender on him, and just gets a touch with his right uh, to score the goal. Really, really good link-up play. Really, really quick action. Fast decision-making. That's something that I feel like we haven't had as a squad in a very, very long time. Often the goals are coming from where? Wings that are being, uh, or excuse me, balls that are being whipped in from the wing into the box, right? Beautiful build-up play through the middle, and I mean, dude, everyone did everyone did their job. Everyone went through the middle. Everyone took a, a few touches, looked up, and I mean, the ball played in um, to Diego Luna was just a, a beautiful assist. Who else has uh, more to add? Because I could talk about how beautiful this goal is all day. I don't think we really need to, right? Let's just leave it at its pure beauty and and be pumped that Diego scored it. All right. Dope. Diego Luna uh, also celebrating with the little baby, uh, the little uh, thumb suck and the, and the ball underneath the kit. I wonder who started that, dude. That'd be fun to kind of dive into that and uh, see where that all originated from. But... Yeah. Yeah. Wonder when his babies do. No idea. Um, moving on to the second goal. Uh, do we want to break this one down? I think this one you you have to break down. Yeah, this one's prettier than the first. <laughs> All righty. So let's actually uh, let's talk about the second goal. And um, one one quick thing that I want to talk about too is: Do you guys did you guys expect a brace? I mean, I know we've we've covered this a lot. But the first goal happens, uh, it comes from Diego Luna. Do we feel like another one in here? Like with the way that the, the match is being played and uh, Diego getting around, did you guys feel like there was another one in this for him? Absolutely. I called a brace, so of course I felt it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no to that one um, just because in what we've seen in previous games is kind of uh, this team distributing the wealth, right? They've um, With how much, how much they're passing, with how much um, – you know how many given goes, etc. We're doing in the attack. Um, the this team is not afraid to spread the wealth and spread it off to different players and have different uh, different people get on the score sheet. Right? We saw it against Orlando. Uh, we saw it against um, Sporting Kansas City. And so I thought somebody else was going to end up scoring it. I thought maybe Diego would get, end up getting the assist, but um, I did not expect a brace from Luna in this one. Yeah. So this one starts in the uh, like the fifty second minute. And uh, well before the give-and-go, uh, Diego Diego lays the ball off to Masovsky. Masovsky gets up, gets tripped up by the defenders. Ball's loose. Uh, Diego 
does a quick touch to Musovski. Musovski, super beautiful ball played in, gets the left on it, beautiful touch, and then Diego just goes one on one with the keeper and does a solid little chip uh, over little chip. cheeky, beautiful little chip over the keeper. I mean, that's like that right there. That's it's like Diego Valeri esque. It's like veteran striker esque. Um, he didn't panic. He finished it and just lobbed it over the goalkeeper for a beautiful goal. Where I mean, what do we what 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 do we have to say about a goal like this from Diego? You know, I, I don't even think we talk about. Obviously, we talk about Diego's finish, right? This is a team goal through and through, right? Every single person that touched that ball really created that goal, and it was just beautiful on Diego to to finish it the way he did, but. I love seeing us score team goals and not just individual moments of, of brilliance. This was individual moments of brilliance from four or five guys. And I think that gives me more confidence in this squad than, you know, one guy dribbling through four defenders and, and scoring a goal. I think the most important part about both goals, both of Diego's goals, um, was the turnover that initially started the attack. Um, in the first goal, like Andy mentioned, Justin Glad wins it and then just immediately pushes it upfield. Um, it's a very quick, almost counterattack kind of, um, but also like build up. And, and then they just whip it in and he gets the goal. And in this one, you get the turnover in the middle of the park too by Ojeda. Ojeda just immediately turns around, turns it upfield. Luna and Musaski link up. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful to see them attack like that, just immediately turning the ball up. Um, on the on a, on a quick counter almost, and just and and creating that opportunity uh, off turnovers. Yeah, they're they're really making the press effective by turning the press into a counterattack, like a counter press situation. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's like we said before. It's just something we've been lacking, right? Like usually, there's a lot of build up play, a lot of um, just going side to side, playing it back a little bit. And yeah, you guys are right. It's it's just fresh off the turnover, quick, just a just a fast slap in the face, right, Josh? Yep. And honestly, like that's a very hard style to play. It's a very hard style to play for as long as we have. Um, but again, that's where we give credit to Pablo because there's not a lot of teams in this league that could play that style for as long as we've been pulling it off, essentially. And and with us getting through the quote unquote kind of busy season, right? That that that's good because now you know the rotation of the guys and whatnot. It, it's going to be more fresh legs for more pressing at all times. And if we can continue to keep this press up, continue to keep the counterattack up, that's what's going to make us a championship caliber team. Yeah. So Red Bull. Um, I wouldn't even say they really caught us slipping, but it's just the defense just wasn't uh, what it was maybe in the the first half of the game. Uh, they pull one back on us. It's two one. Uh, we were we're still up by one goal, and and then we start to get kind of nervous, right? But we're only nervous for about a minute because instantly Severino uh, has the answer. Pulls the classic Savarino goal, the the goal we've seen over and over and over and over and over and over from Sava, and uh, just takes just smashes the shit out of it. I don't have any better way to say it, um, and pulls a, a goal back. 
So Severino, um, you know, not having traveled with RSL, pulling back a goal here at home. What are the feelings there? Are we still confused? Is he leaving us? Is he staying? What's going on? It seems like he's kind of increasing his value a little bit. But isn't that weird how that happens when there's like a rumbling of maybe Severino, maybe jumping ship or leaving? I feel like that's when the goals start to pour in. I feel like this is the same way it was when he left us the first time. No, I I don't think so. I think he's finally just feeling inspired by his team, right? He's no longer the one bearing the burden of the attack. He's no longer the one getting quadruple teamed every time he's on the ball. So now he can really be free and play his game as well. And I think, you know, the new additions and guys really stepping up their game, it's probably maybe convincing Sovereigno he's going to want to stick around and, and win something here. So yeah, I don't think he's leaving um, at this point. And I think he's only going to get better with everyone else. Totally agree. <laughs> you got to totally agree from Alex, bro. Yeah. Totally you, boom. You just shut him <laughs> up, dude. It, you said so. You said so much. He had nothing to say. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's this, good or bad. <laughs> no, no, no. no we're we're on the same page, bro. We're you guys are on the same page. There we go. There we go. <laughs> you know, it's it, it. Yeah, it is refreshing. It's fun to see. I, I I took to Twitter and it said that right that we've got a Real Salt Lake that is in unison, um, who's performing well. Everyone's fighting for each other. You got Chicho just basically uplifting the talent dude that was like an instant uh just an instant flotation of all of the ships the missing piece and so it's it's crazy to see how adding just that dynamic of a of a player uh can do for everybody's confidence uh because i think without chicho i don't know if we would be experiencing or witnessing the same rsl that we are now uh, i know um, kind of a hot take but that's how I, mean, I really feel. We, we were already on a hot streak when Chicho came in, right? So we can't give him all the credit. We have to give the, the, the lad some credit as well. But there's no doubt Chicho has, has kept that confidence going and, and definitely given it a boost as well. There, there's no doubt. One piece that I want to talk about, and you know, I know we're super positive here, but let's talk about Demir Krylock. Uh, Demir, a little bit quiet this game, uh, but he was in. What do you kind of? He was in late. Yeah, he was in late. But what do you feel? Uh, like what? What? We know he's a a veteran status player. We know he's holding it down to some some degree. Uh, but what are our thoughts on 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 Demir and maybe the role that he's playing now? Uh, what does that look like for you guys uh, when you have to assess it? I think at this point of the season, we're going to see kind of a rotation between Danny and, and Demir. Um, we'll probably see, you know, Dami start a game, then Moose start a game, then Dami start a game, and back and forth. Um, because regardless, he's going to he's going to be a guy you're going to need in the locker room. He's going to be a guy that's going to bring the good vibes. He's going to be uh, be the guy who brings unity to the squad. Um, and so no matter what, and and he's he's been a lot better this year uh, or in the last couple games, kind of stepping up from a little bit of that. Um, the questions we had about Demir at the beginning of the season. Um, and so as long as Demir just keeps doing what he's doing, um, as far as leadership, as far as what he's doing on the field, um, he'll always have a position and kind of, uh, and and have a fight for that striker spot alongside Chicho up top. 
right? And and he's still going to be good for, you know, if he's got to be that late sub, he's still going to be good to come in and get a goal, right? He's he's still going to be good for a lot of those things we need him to do. And I think he has the right mentality. He knows, you know, he's getting up there in his career. He knows he doesn't have a lot of years left. And I think he's just going to value the time he has now. And, and I think he wants to win something before he's done. So I think he's going to do everything he can on the field and off the field, whether it be on the bench or not in the 18, to make sure that happens. Uh, so I, I, I don't think he's going to be disgruntled. I don't think anything like that's going to come around. I think he's going to be there when we need him most. And, and I think he's going to go down as an absolute club legend. And you know, like Isaac just put in the chat, he's two goals away from 50 for RSL. Yeah, that's, that's not a little number, right? So let's hope he can get that this year, if not more. Yeah. Does does Demir Krylak break the all-time scoring record? Uh, I don't know. I, I think Sabo was at 56, question mark? I don't know the number Sabo was at, but if it's only 56, I think if Demir goes one more year, he absolutely has a shot. I agree. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Still, still a role player for me. Uh, Demir, he's earned, I think he's, he's close to getting that legendary status, right? Oh, he's already got it. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, he's done so much, man, uh, on and off the pitch. If you guys saw that, uh, he showed up to the stadium, uh, without really any publicity and had just donated some materials to give to kids who were going back to school. It was like markers and coloring books and all types of materials uh, that he had given to uh, Tyler Gibbons over at Real Salt Lake. Um, Not to mention Demir Corner, obviously, as popular Mm -hmm. as ever. But uh, yeah, let's get into RSL Twitter questions, RSL show Twitter questions. Um, there's, There's one about this topic in there, so go ahead. Cool. So, uh, and I actually, I did reach out, unless you guys have anything, I just text the plug over at Real Salt Lake asking about uh, a Chicho update on the injury. Have you guys heard anything? I I think he just, uh, he was getting battered, man. And the referee was allowing it to happen. The referee, you know, it's his first game, but man, he did not have a great one. Um, he, he was letting Reyes just do whatever he wanted to Chicho and then, you know, throwing yellows to RSL players, but nothing to him. It was very frustrating to watch, but you know, I think after a night of just getting kicked, you're going to start feeling those knocks. It's hot. You know, I, I think Chicho just needed to come off before he got himself actually hurt. So I think he'll be good to go for Saturday. I'm not worried about it one bit. Uh, in the words of the staff over at RSL, He's fine. He's fine. Okay. He's fine. Very cool. <laughs> All right. There it is. Sources, quote unquote. All right. Um, yeah. Let's uh, break down some of these Twitter questions. It's Zerk asks, thoughts on Diego Luna being player of the match day? And if he is USMNT material, there was a big debate. Uh, we asked that question on Twitter. Um, also, any upcoming transfer rumors for RSL? So, uh, let's start with the first one. Thoughts on Diego Luna being player of the match day? It's pretty cool for a 19-year-old man. I'm all about it. It's pretty damn cool. doesn't happen for us often. So, let's let's go. Very cool. 
And then also, uh, let's talk about this one. I think this is uh, this will be heavily debated. Is Diego Luna uh, ready for the senior USMNT roster? Why or why not? You know, I'd say yes if Bull Bear Holter wasn't the coach. I don't think Greg knows how to deal with a player that's just as talented, right? That's just me being a hater, but I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna float around the U twenties for another minute or two, maybe grab a January camp here or there. But <sighs> Greg scares me because he's he's a coach that just has his guys right, and if it's nothing on Diego. I just don't think Greg's gonna value him unless he you know puts in another five six goals this year and another ten assists. I I don't know. I'm just very pessimistic about the men's national team right now. So it's a sore, sore topic for me. <laughs> I would like to see him. I would like to see him get a call up um, to like one of those smaller friendlies, one of those smaller like CONCACAF games, just to see what he can do. Um, I think, you know, in a situation where you go to a gold cup with your quote unquote C team, it's a good opportunity to let these younger guys have that opportunity to be called up and to see what they can do in competitive matches. Um, and so just in a situation like that, it would be nice to see Diego Luna make that jump um, to that first team and just see what he can do. Just see what he's got. Yeah, we ran a poll that got uh, 296 votes. And so people on Twitter say 53% no, much more to improve. Uh, 47% said yes, he is ready. So uh, almost half and half, but the, the winner there is no, he's not ready. Um, I mean, as as an eighteen year old, you still have a lot to learn. No yeah, matter I mean, what nineteen, right? Is. Eighteen, nineteen. But yeah. but let's be honest. Like his rise, his rising stock has only just started. So you do have to be wary of getting too hyped too fast with anyone. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of hesitation comes from. Yeah. Also, um, he'd have to quit his uh job, his barista job, over at Dutch Bros. I, I think he already did. Yeah, uh, I saw that finally came out. We've been keeping that secret so that place doesn't get uh, <laughs> overloaded with Luna fans. But I'm I'm pretty sure with the U20 World Cup and his success on the squad now, he's eliminated that distraction. Can you imagine that? Hey, boss, uh, so I got to quit or take some time off. Why? Oh, I'm just going to go play U.S. national soccer. Um, Argentina. Yeah, no, that's something that we were well aware of when it uh, when he was actually still working there, and uh, but we didn't just we just kind of kept it under wraps. Yeah, it's one of those I you know, it's his private life. No need to. Uh, yeah. Hey, it's cool. Yeah, uh, who was who was it? Was it Brody that was an Uber driver? Because he he was who was the who, who was on the roster who like was an Uber driver at one point? Yeah, I think it was Brody. Uh, that was like through his development, right? He was driving for Uber, all that good stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyways, all kinds of odd jobs. Oh, a, a lot of guys have had odd jobs throughout the years, especially back in the day when you know the league minimum was twenty k and not covering the bills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, Josh. Any upcoming transfer rumors that you're aware of? You're usually that guy. Um, not that I'm aware of, uh, now that the bellow thing's dead, I have not heard of anyone coming in and, and kind of what I'm hearing is we're done for now. I think 
I think we're overall happy with the squad on where it sits. So I, I think barring any kind of weird injury situation or unexpected transfer out or someone handing in a transfer request, um, I, I don't really think anything big is going to come in. Got it. Very cool. Andrew Lord asks, this is, this is a question for us. Uh, he asks, we've seen how much RSL has improved, but what do you think they should focus on over the next month before MLS and Open Cup play resumes? Alex, what should they focus on, bro? This is um, almost a little bit of a perfect segue into what's coming up in the next couple weeks, and it's uh, League's Cup, right? It's League's Cup is such a big opportunity to showcase your team, to showcase who Real Salt Lake is for international eyes. Um, and so that should be the focus, is just trying to make it as far um, as far as you can while playing the way that you're playing um, to attract some really important eyes, some really big eyes to Real Salt Lake, not only for the growth of the team and the players, uh, but for the community, for, for the club, um, to get some more international, a little bit more international recognition. Um, it's going to be huge, huge for this league. Um, and for the guys to to have good showings at League Cup, at League's Cup, uh, and to make it far into that tournament. Yeah, I'd agree. I want to see them, you know, focus on the League's Cup and then really focus on maintaining form. I, I feel like an early elimination from the League's Cup could mean a few weeks off, and sometimes that's not a good thing. Uh, so yeah, really go with the League's Cup like you want it, and keep that mentality up, keep that type of style, play style up. Uh, I want to see what they can do when they actually do hit a bump in the road, right? A loss will come, right? It will happen. So I want to see how mentally strong these guys are to bounce back from a loss because we haven't seen that. We've seen them come back from deficits. Um, so we, we still need to see what they can do in some other in some other situations. Yeah. Um, for me, the focus is, uh, you know, yeah. It's a good run right now. Just stay healthy, man. Let's just maintain that healthy stretch. I'm really going to knock on wood right now. I need to. Um, yeah, you know, things are going really, really well. And uh, I think the biggest priority right now is uh, keep your keep your roster healthy. But even then, uh, I feel like we're pretty deep right now. We got a lot of players that are well off the bench. Uh who are fighting for those positions. And so even with an injury, if one were to occur, uh, I feel like we'd still have a confident roster uh, going into these competitions. Uh, sorry to throw that negative energy out there. Urgh, erase that uh, universe. Uh, all right. All good things for Real Salt Lake. We got this. Uh, what do they say? Um, all something bad thoughts out of the way. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Somebody go, uh, go bury a jersey somewhere of uh, our next couple opponents. Uh, let's see. Thundercastle asks, what will it take for Glad to get a national team look? And what is the next stadium improvement you want to see? Um, let's not spend too much time on the Glad, but who would like to answer that one? I, I don't know if you ever will. Yeah. The center backs are too deep for the U.S. men's national team, I feel like. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, I feel like after he went to the Olympic qualifying and there was that unfortunate, you know, game, it wasn't Glad's fault, but I, I feel like that was kind of his last 
chance, and I hope I'm wrong. Um, and as far as stadium improvement, I need let's get some shade on that uh, northwest side to, to to cover up that goal at least. Yeah, because that's that's brutal in the summer. I think Lad needs to really look into his family tree and just really dig deep to see if there's like dual citizenship anywhere. Go play for another national team or something. Um, cool. So you want shade? Uh, stadium upgrade for me. I think the parking is still insane. Uh, they just just chalk it up, guys. There's not much space. Just just build like a five tier garage or something for people to have easy access. It's it's always weird. No one knows what's going on. So that's my thing. Figure out the parking, Alex. What about you? As far as I'm, as far as stadium upgrades go, it, it's gonna be it's a lot easier said than done. But I would like to see some expansion. Just have a rowdier, louder place with a couple more people in there. Um, that'd be cool. You think we could sell more tickets? Probably. Say they if bumped up to thirty thousand. Would they? Would they fill it up? If they if they reserve or if they keep up these results, um, there's no doubt tickets will sell. Very cool. Hey, breaking news update. Somebody give me like a little... That's like the Jeopardy song. I know you got your source, Alex, but we got two sources now. Uh, My source says that Chicho... Well, this is the exact text. It says, he's good, bruv. So, he's okay. We're good. I wonder who that was from. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder. I wonder who... Okay, so we're going to go ahead and uh, let's do one more question. Oh, Kathy Barney. Her question was, Arango went off the field with an injury. Do you know anything about that? We just answered your question. He's out four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No, shut up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who is up next? Who's our next opponent, man? Who's the next victim? Where are we? Seattle, bro. It's Albert Rusnak and Freddie Juarez returning to America first field for a League's Cup match, a tournament, a competition in which Ross Lake has still yet to win. But a place Seattle struggles to win. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, Yeah, we've got... Oh, man. There's... Is that time gap accurate? Just yeah. a week? No. I must be looking cup. at something, dude. I'm looking at something different. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, all right. Sorry, guys. I wasn't paying attention, dude. I was I was texting the, the Real Salt Lake source. Let's You guys take over. I'm going to shut up for a minute. Alex, take over. Thanks. Uh, the League's Cup schedule is going to be a little bit weird, Is that what you're, if that's what you were talking about, um, because they're, they're trying to get as much eyes on different games as they can. Um, but yeah, it's like I said earlier, it's a really good opportunity for RSL to get some important eyes on them, um, on this team. Um, and so I really hope, I really hope we're able to make a deep run and it starts on Saturday, uh, against Seattle, um, with our favorite Albert Rusnak coming to town. You know, I think, uh, Freddie Juarez is going to watch the performance and wonder why he couldn't make that happen. He's going to see a clinic in coaching. And I think Albert Rusnak is not going to recognize the team on the other side of the ball. And I think it's going to be a bigger shock for them than they think. Because even this team has even changed so much since we beat them last time at home. Um, 
I think Seattle's going to have a hard time. I think last, so yeah, last time we played them, it was a really good defensive zero zero draw. Um, and I think we're, I think ourselves beyond that now. I think Seattle has dipped a little bit in form since we've played them last. Um, uh, but Ross like has really taken off than, since we last played him. And so I think, I think we'll see a similar match to what we saw against New York and against Orlando where RSL is just um, p- doing doing what they do now and is that press and that attack. And um, I think Seattle is going to be a little taken back by it because I don't think they've seen Rouse Lake at this point. Very cool. Good job. Guys, we are going to be covering everything Leagues Cup. Well, do you guys feel like we should podcast during Leagues Cup or should we take a break? Should absolutely podcast, especially with Monterrey coming to town on Wednesday. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh the the PTSD is real for Josh, man. It just triggered as you said that. Triggered, triggered, triggered. Do you think, uh, yeah, do you think gonna, for any of the any of the players, the coaches, or anything like that? Do you think they see it as uh, like the way we see it? No, and it's a little bit of a Champions League rematch. I think for like Tyler and Trey, yeah, sure, and yeah. Elliot. But, but outside of that, I mean. There's not a single player on this roster that was around then. You know, I think Justin Glad was probably 12 years old. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think they I, – I hope. They need to, that, like, rewatch some tape. They need to watch that final. They need to get fired up. Yep, I hope, th- I hope that, that that game is they, – they sit down and have to watch that entire two-leg series, right? I hope that's a team bonding experience. I hope they get to see Kyle crying on the field of Sabo. I hope they get to see the collective heart of Rio Tinto Stadium break, uh, and, and really get you know the point driven home to them that for fans this is absolutely revenge. And yeah, like Isaac just said in the chat, a, a Tony Beltran speech would be great. You know, I, th- this one's important for the fans, and I, and I hope that that point can be driven across the line for the elder RSLers. Try it for us old fogies. <laughs> Dude, I cannot. Man, I was there. That stadium was the loudest I had ever seen it. Uh, that's when they were still doing like confetti and streamers. Mm-hmm. Dude, like it was just shaking, bro. And like the stadium did not shut up the entire match until Chupeta Suazo killed all of our dreams. And that was like the longest walk, dude, from my seats as a fan at the time to my car like it was the most depressing thing ever i don't even think anyone said goodbye to each other like we all just dipped like it was just total disbelief because it was the first time that real salt lake had made it this far in a tournament um was it the first time that an mls team made it that far in the tournament josh yep sure was um and it was at home it was on your home turf and for the young dudes who didn't see the stretch, the games were amazing, dude. The, the road the games, the, the the game against Cruz Azul in the rain, bro. The game against Saprisa with oh man, there's just there's amazing. You know what? I I implore all of you to go back and watch champion. Not all of you three, right? But all of the listeners to go back and watch all of the highlights from that Champions League run. It, it's just. Some of the best moments in RSL history. Yeah. It was insane, man. It was enough to make anybody an RSL fan. Like, if you didn't care about Real Salt Lake's regular season and they had won the championship, so you just cared a little bit, that's what happened to me. I, I didn't really care for Real Salt Lake until I 
you know, my dad had the, the, the MLS final on, and then I started to follow after that. And then, you know, the CONCACAF run starts and it was just, dude, it was like a whole different level of soccer. The team had an identity. You had freaking superstars on the team in Ramondo and Beckerman, Olave, um, who else? My Orchers, Javi, Grabavoy, everybody, bro. Like, just it was. There was just something about that squad that just like, I don't know, man. It, it was just on a whole different level, and the build up and everything and the excitement and we were like, you know, as new fans even then, like I was pretty spoiled. I know Josh, you were there like at the Rice Eccles like in inaugural, but for people who were just freshly starting this this fandom man it was such an incredible run and to just lose it sucked dude all we needed was what a goal to basically because of the differential Mm -hmm. and there was uh one goal that almost went in uh from our boy uh uh dude i'm like sabo and and who else though um spindola spindola that's exactly it dude just wide and and on, and selfishly for me, uh, that run was when I made a lot of my my lifelong friends and a lot of my lifelong RSL friends as well. So I think you know personally, not only was it a heartbreak, but you know I, I have a lot of good memories attached to it as well. Uh, so it's it's just a big moment in my my RSL life. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's think like it's when you little... go through something traumatic together, right? It's like. Uh... You know how people go through something traumatic, like a a plane crash or like some event, and then they end up getting married. Well, that's the event that made all of us get married as RSL friends and fans. And that's why this podcast probably still exists today is because we're just waiting to get the revenge and win another cup. And then we're just going to hang it up, right, Josh? We're going to be so happy and fulfilled. We're just going to hang up our, 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 uh, not our boots, but our mics, dude. We're going to hang up the mics, you know, walk off into the sunset hand in hand. A title might get me to shut up and walk away from this forever. Me too. RSL. That's your motivation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Alex and Isaac start looking for new hosts. All right, guys, anything else to add? Alex, what's up? You got something to say? You can't top Uh, what we just said. No, I can't. I, I think I was like ten when I when when the Champions League final was there, but I still remember a lot of it. I still remember most of it. Um, and I think that I think as a little ten year old, you know, just seeing that atmosphere kind of solidified my fandom for this team. Very cool, good man, good. It's you know, yeah, and don't let us old heads just think that because you don't remember it or you were younger that it didn't matter to you. Obviously, it mattered to you, right? So we're just teasing all in all. Isaac, you got something to say, dude? Close up the podcast. It better be good. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that if you guys haven't seen or watched MLS 360 or Champions League 360, they have a great documentary piece about the Champions League run. So if you guys haven't yeah. watched it, watch it. It's really, really good. It's behind-the-scenes stuff, talking to Ramondo Beckerman, to all the players, head coach, Jason Christ, everything. Um, they're in the tunnels, they're in the buses, they're at the hotels, they're talking. You see them getting dressed up for the locker room. You get to experience and watch the walkout to the tunnel uh, against Monterey as well. And um, there's so much stuff in there. Josh, I'm sorry, dude. We're breaking your heart. Guys, uh, follow RSL Show on KSL Sports. 
We'll be back with the latest League's Cup action and results. Uh, remember to go do your oh, like your, your, your rituals. rituals. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, go do your rituals because they're working. And uh, like I said, if you do have a ritual, tweet it at us. Let us know. Send us a video. Send us a photo. Uh, we'll share it. Again, RSL Show on KSL. Find us on YouTube as well. We love you all. Thanks for sticking it around uh, with the best Real Salt Lake content in the world.